0: two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. And then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things which he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he made water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come, he went to the Lord and said, I want you to come down and heal my son. He's at the point of death. Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said to Jesus, Sir, come down, ere my child die. And the Lord says, Go your way. Your son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. And you remember the servants met him on the way and said, Your son liveth. When did he start to live? At a certain hour. And the man knew it was the same hour when Jesus said to him, your son liveth. And he believed and his whole house believed. This is the second sign which Jesus did.
1: Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place, and by His grace came with me Our study today on the Unchanging Word broadcast begins in John chapter 4, verse 31, and we will be finishing out this chapter in this lesson. Well, having previously heard of the three revelations and the three missions in this lesson, we now read of the three things for a great harvest, as Dr. Mitchell will tell us that these three things are look ye, pray ye, go ye. He will give us an example of how a harvest can take place. After two days, we see Jesus depart from Samaria to go to Cana of Galilee. And here, here is where our Lord performed his second sign. He healed a man's son with his word. The man's son was at least two days journey from where Jesus was. And you know what? Jesus can meet your need with his word right now, right where you're at. Just take him at his word. Well, let's turn to John chapter 4, verse 31 in your Bible with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell.
0: It gives me real joy and pleasure to communicate to you something of the wonderful truths that are in the Word of God. How wonderful it is to know that Jesus could say to the people of his day, and he is saying it to you and to me, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they're life and how we need to get into the Word of God and know what God has for us. Now, we're dealing in John's Gospel with chapter 4. For those of you who have not been listening in to the program, may I say that we are going through the Gospel through John, verse by verse, exposition, and we found in the first four chapters that God is dealing with individuals. He deals with individuals in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. When we come to chapter 5, he starts to deal with the crowds. Now, in chapter 4, you have our Lord dealing with a, a poor Samaritan woman, a woman who was a sinner, and the Lord revealed to her the revelation of God the Father, and that God is looking for worshipers, those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. You remember, there were three revelations in the beginning of the chapter. There was the revelation of the woman when the Lord opened her heart, her sinful heart. And the marvelous thing to me was that she didn't run away. In the presence of the judge of the universe, this sinful woman did not run away. She was sick of her past life. I'm sure of that. And how the Lord revealed to her the wonders of God. And then we have the revelation of the Father. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him, in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He's not looking for servants. He's looking for worshipers. Indeed, as I've oftentimes said, and I've said it before in this radio program, our service ought to be the outflow of our love for the Savior. And when you and I are walking in fellowship with the Savior, then we will walk in his will and we will be obedient to his word. This includes our service. Now we come to three to three missions, and we were speaking in the closing of our last lesson, the woman's mission, and then we have the, the Lord's mission, and then our mission. But first of all, the woman's mission. In 27 to 30, 39 to 42, uh, she became a missionary. This has been an amazing thing to me as I've thought through this chapter. This woman met the Savior, and she was a sinner. Then she's transformed. She becomes filled She became filled with living water. Then she became a missionary. I see what a transformation. She left the city of Sychar to come to the well. She met Jesus, was transformed from a sinner into a child of God, then immediately went back and became a missionary and brought the men to Jesus. Come see a man who told me that all that I ever did is not this, the Christ. And you remember she brought them to Jesus. Now, in verse 31 through 34, we have our Lord's mission. And I'm reading this to you where in verses 31 to 34 of chapter 4 of John. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him or to eat? Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Our Lord came on a mission, and that mission was administering grace to needy people. Doing his Father's will was his meat. And, and as you read the Word of God, you will notice how our Lord's whole life was dominated by a tremendous yearning and desire to do his father's will. My meat is to do the will of my father to finish his work. In John chapter 5, verse 30, I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. The same thing in John 6:38. In John 8:29 he could say, "I do always the things that please him. In John chapter 17, the fourth verse, I have finished the work you gave me to do. The conversion of lost souls is his meat. To do his Father's will was meat indeed. And the great spiritual satisfaction, so wonderful, so wonderful, in transforming sinners into saints, he had no more desire to eat. Indeed, he was perfectly satisfied with the fact that he had revealed to a woman the wonders of God, and brought this woman into a relationship with God himself. This is his mission. Time would fail me, for example, to go again through the gospel, through Luke, you remember where in chapter 5 he forgives the sinner, in chapter 7 he loves the sinner, in 15 he's the friend of sinners, in chapter 19, 10 he came to seek and to save that which was lost. All the heart of God reaching out, to redeem men and women and fit them for his presence. This was the dominating factor in our Lord's life. I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Even as a boy 12 years of age, you remember, and I quote from Luke chapter 2, when he said to his parents, Wist he not that I must be about my father's business? And that's the woman's mission was to carry the word of life to the men of Samaria. Our Lord's mission was to do his Father's will, the redeeming of lost men and women, so that when he hung on the cross in John 19, we could read, It is finished. Or in John 17, I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now what about our mission? So starting in at verse 35 and reading right on down through verse 38, we have what our mission is. That isn't what Jesus said. Let me pick up the connection. Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors." Now here you have their, shall I say, their mission. And what is their mission? To lift up your eyes and look, the field is all right unto harvest. You see, while our Lord was speaking, the men of the city of Sychar were coming out to the well because the very next statement says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman and many more believed in his word and so on. Here you have this question of the disciples. The fields are white unto harvest. But the trouble is, people haven't vision. Lift up your eyes and look. Look, you disciples. You say there are yet four months to the harvest? Harvest is right here at your feet. The fields are already on to harvest. And I'm going to ask you to reap where you haven't even sown. One sows, one reaps. All of us have a part in this ministry of reaching men and women for Christ. But it takes three things. First of all, it takes vision. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, they are white unto harvest. But the problem is, the reapers are few, and he calls here for cooperation. As I said a moment ago, uh, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap, but on you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. As I say, It's the cooperation of God's people. One sows, uh, one plants, another one waters. God gives the increase. Uh, And we all have a part in this question of reaching men and women for Christ. Dear old Samuel Rutherford said that God purposes the crop. God wants souls to come to him and his methods are men. He's not going to take Uh, angels to do the job, lift up arrives and look. The problem is, we need to get God's vision of the world as God sees it. You see, friend, the harvest is ready. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 9, our Lord lifted up his eyes there and he had compassion upon the people, they were the sheep having no shepherds. And he turned to the disciples and said, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he may thrust forth laborers into his harvest field. And the very next chapter says, starting at chapter 10, he sent them out two by two, giving them his credentials and his message. And please notice again, and I want this clear to your mind. First of all, have you got vision? There's a great harvest to be gathered. Are our sickles dull that we can't reach them? Do you ever think of what God sees? God sees, for example, nearly a billion people in Southeast Asia, most of whom without Christ. God sees between three and four hundred million in India, most of whom are without Christ. Over a hundred million in Japan, most of whom without Christ. And take in Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Malaya, and you follow all through that part of the world, the millions without Christ. Africa with its hundreds of millions, most of whom without Christ. Over 300 million in Central and South America. Between three and 400 million in Europe. In our own country, millions out of Christ. Friend. Friend. The Lord Jesus says, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Lift up your eyes and look. You get vision. And then when you pray, you get a burden. And then the next one is go ye. May I remind you of those three brief commands of Christ. Look ye, that's vision. Pray ye, that's burden. Go ye, that's witnessing. And then he calls us to be Cooperate together, we are workers together with God, as First Corinthians three nine says, and we're workers together with each other. And if one were to go to the book of Corinthians, chapters twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, we're members of the body of Christ, those of us who are Christians, we each one of us have got a job to do. And you see, when we have Him as the object of our hearts, and we seek to obey Him to harvest the crop, then you have common joy, common rejoicing. There's no room for envy, no room for jealousy. All rejoice because we all have a part reaching people for Christ. You know, I remember one time, if I may be allowed to do this, we led a young man to the Savior one Sunday evening after the meeting. This is when Central Bible Church was downtown Portland. And we used to have an afternoon meeting and between the afternoon and night meeting, uh, quite often some of the folk would go down on the street and and bear testimony for the Savior. Well, one of our young men was standing on Broadway, and uh, another young fellow was standing alongside of him, looking up and down the street. There were three or four shows there. And this young Christian said to this young fellow, are you trying to decide what show to go to? And the fellow says, yes. Well, he said, I'm going to one up the street up here. He said, I didn't know there was one up there. Yes, up there, you see, Central Bible Church. He said, uh, a lot of young people go there. A lot of young folks go there. Why don't you try it? And he left him there with an invitation to come up. Well the fellow kind of meandered up the street two or three blocks to the church, and outside was a group of our young people milling round, and he walked in and sat down. There's hardly anybody in the audience yet. And one of our other men, young fellows who had been saved or used to be a Roman Catholic and we came to know the Savior, and he came and sat down alongside of him. And then I preached. And when I got through preaching, uh, the young man who was saved said to this young fellow, What do you think of that? And so they began talking. And before I knew where I was, I was called into it. And first thing you know, this fellow bowed down and accepted the Savior and became a real, wonderful, uh, real believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we all had a part. There was a fellow down the street, and the one who sat alongside of him. I came along and spoke. And here you have, three of us had part. There was no jealousy, no envy. All three of us rejoiced because the fellow had accepted the Savior. You know, friend, the field is white under harvest, and I must add this, and the time, the time to put in the sickle and gather in the harvest is very, very brief. Believe me, my friend, we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Lift up your eyes and look. The fields are white, unto harvest. Now, starting in at verse 43 and coming right down to verse 54. Uh, I didn't go any further on this except to say that from 39 down to 42 we have where the people came out from the city and they believed not only because of the testimony of the woman but they, they heard the word of the Lord Jesus and they too we have heard him ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. And the Lord stayed there in Samaria for two days. Now, verse 43, After two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. And then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things which he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana, in Galilee, where he made water, wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick in Capernaum. I see, our Lord was in Cana of Galilee, and this fellow, this nobleman, had a son who was sick in Capernaum. And I'm just going to suggest one thing to you. When he heard that Jesus had come, he went to the Lord and said, I want you to come down and heal my son. He's at the point of death. Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said to Jesus, Sir, come down, ere my child die. And the Lord says, Go your way, your son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. And you remember the servants met him on the way and said, Your son liveth. When did he start to live? At a certain hour. And the man knew it was the same hour with Jesus said to him, Your son liveth. And he believed, and his whole house believed. This is the sign, second miracle which Jesus did. Now may I just suggest this very briefly. The Lord was two days in Galilee, pardon me, two days in Samaria, and then came into Galilee, and he met this nobleman whose son was, was dying. And Jesus said to him, you, you, won't, you won't believe unless you see signs, in verse 38. You see, the Jews require a sign. And Jesus said, except you see signs you won't believe. He said, come down. I don't care about signs. You come down and heal my son. You know, friend, if I were teaching a Bible class in this, I would point out that the Lord Jesus spent two days with the, with the Samaritans, then he came back to his own people in Galilee after two days among the Samaritans. Do you remember in the first chapter we had two days gathering people unto himself, and the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. Two days the Lord has been dealing with Gentiles. Two days he's been uh, reaching out to the Gentile world with the gospel. The two days are about up. Our Lord's going to return. When he came the first time to the world, they said, give us a sign, give us a sign. What sign show us thou? And our Lord's sign was his resurrection. Now Jesus said to this nobleman. Uh, you won't believe it except you see signs. Sir, come down. I don't care about signs. When our Lord comes the next time, they're not going to ask for signs. They're going to say, Sir, come down. Eh my son died. You know, if you were to go back to, to the book of, of Zechariah, they're going to see him whom they pierced. And they shall say, Where do you receive these wounds? I received them in the house of my friends. And then you have national repentance of Israel. Come down, ere eh, my son die. And not only did he believe, but the whole family believed. Just because Jesus said, go home, your son is made whole. And the time is going to come when our Lord's going to return to the earth, to his people Israel. And they don't care about science. They're going to come in repentance and they're going to hold so all Israel will be saved, as Romans 11 says. Now, just before I close, may I suggest this? at the city of capernaum the lord did perform three miracles may i point them out to you three signs here you have the centurion servant a gentile soldier's servant healed you have this in matthew chapter 8 and then you have the daughter of Jairus who was a rabbi raised from the dead you find that in mark chapter 5 and then you have the nobleman's son he was a civil servant here in john Chapter 4. Did you notice it? A Gentile soldier, a Jewish rabbi, and a civil servant. Uh, It makes no difference who the people are. The Lord can always meet their need. Notice in chapter 1, he saves fishermen. In chapter 3, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, comes to know the Lord. In chapter 4, you have an outcast Samaritan woman coming to the Lord. And in chapter 4, at the end, you have the nobleman believing with all his house. So you have fishermen, teachers, an outcast woman, a nobleman, a civil servant. You have a Gentile soldier, a rabbi, a civil servant. I tell you, the Lord reaches all kinds of people. And my friend, he can, he can even reach you where you are. You say, Mr. Mitchell, you don't know where I am. You don't know what I am. You don't know what I've done. I don't care where you are or what you've done. All I know is this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And if you are a sinner, you're a good prospect for eternal life in Christ Jesus. The Lord is the friend of publicans and sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's a wonderful thing to know that you can be saved. Just like the fishermen in chapter 1 with John and Andrew and Peter and so on, or with the. Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews, or the outcast Samaritan woman, or the nobleman's son. I tell you, friend, Jesus is the Savior of sinners. And your only qualification is that you're a sinner. And the Lord Jesus died to save sinners. And what you come and accept him today? If I'm talking to you and you've never accepted the Savior, may I say, friend, to you, you can know the Savior By accepting Jesus Christ right where you are, right where you are, you can come to know him as Savior and as Lord. And your life will be transformed, just like this woman's life was transformed through the power of the gospel. And Jesus is saying to you today, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And brother, he means exactly what he says.